Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. I am so excited this morning. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell. Thank you again for joining us. And thank you so much to Rachel Walla. I have someone so incredible, so inspiring, and we are filming today on Construction Week. So this will not be aired. You'll, you guys will hear it in a little bit, um, probably in the beginning of April. But Rachel, how are you this morning? I'm great. Yeah. Happy Women in Construction Uh Week in the middle of Women's History Month. So how appropriate that we're doing a podcast with two women on it. And I just think this is going to be super fun and kind of a different conversation from the typical podcast. So I am looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my gosh. Out of all the conversations and then to, yeah, I reading your bio and doing our research, getting ready for the podcast. I saw a ton of similarities in your background with my background. So that just like really was really interesting, just actually working in the construction industry as a safety professional doing site audits yourself, like being in the field like that. So I want to back up and I want to start from the beginning on what in the world is your story. We have this gorgeous girl here and it's like, (laughs) how did you get into safety? How did you get into construction? I have a million questions for you, but yes. How did you start us from the beginning? How did you get into safety? Well, I think um, like so many other people, I get in, I got into safety sort of sideways, or you could even say by accident, yeah. <laughs> yeah. because I never set out to get into safety like anybody <laughs> else. But I grew up in a small family owned business. They did logging and construction okay. in Montana in a very small town. And um, I worked with my dad from the very start. There were four kids in our family, three girls and one boy. And it was always like, you know, you're going to work with the family business. That's just what you do. So I very much grew up on heavy equipment and on job sites and things like that. And like, as an example, in high school, I would be working with my dad and me and my sister mostly did manual labor. So we'd go out on these construction or logging jobs and we're doing manual labor. And the girls that we thought were super cool were like this family in town that had a little mini excavator that they ran and they got a cute little truck to drive around in their own trailer and they could go dig ditches with their mini excavator and we're out there like with shovels. <laughs> that and we thought cool. they were the most badass. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think, uh, you know, my family's more of the mindset where you go to college to get a job, not necessarily an education. And so when I went to college, it was like, okay, where, what can I learn that will get me a job? And engineering was the most like practical thing I could go into. And there's an engineering school not far away from where I grew up. So I started out in petroleum engineering and I was working in that field and I got a summer internship in Texas my first year out and going from like very small depressed economy mining town to Texas oil fields was like the biggest culture shock. I I was like, yes, I was like, uh, they spend $1,000 at dinner on interns. I 
I don't get it. Or this one guy uh, I was working with, he had a Hummer and he's like, have you ever ridden in a Hummer before? Like, you know, that sort of arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, these people, these people are not my people. This is interesting. You're like, this is a total culture shock, a mindset shock, everything. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. And so I, I spent most of the summer just uh, going around with the mechanic changing oil on the pump jacks because that was like, okay, I understand yeah. this. Yeah, I get this. But um, I didn't like the oil field that much. I think it was too much of a culture shock. I think I'd love working in it now. But anyway, um, long story short, I ended up getting a summer internship planting trees. We had to plant 600 a day, super hard manual labor. And they, this company was working on a very, uh, very safety conscious site and they weren't happy with their safety person. So um, I started coming in on the weekends, running the forklift to unload stuff because I needed extra hours during the Mm -hmm. summer. And they were like, hey, do you know much about safety? We kind of need somebody to do the safety stuff because we're going to fire our safety person. (laughs) So So I started there, switched my major the next year and have been in safety ever since. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just say that you were halfway through? Wait, you switched your major? Yeah. Halfway through. Yeah, I switched it. I switched it like on an annual basis until I found safety. I just like switched majors all the time. I did the same thing. I was working for a construction oh, did company, you? oil and gas construction <laughs> company. Like it, it, the excavation is in their name, but they did oil and gas construction. And then halfway through my degree, they're like, "We." I mean, I wasn't doing the the manual labor like you. I was I was in safety with them, but I was just going to school trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And then there were, and then once yeah. I was like, no, this is serious. Like I actually really love my job and I changed my degree to safety. So that is so interesting. So continue on Whoa. with your story though. So you changed it. You're like, so then did you change it to occupational health and safety or was it an environmental degree? Mm-hmm. No, it was occupational safety and health. And that's super interesting that there's so many similarities there, <laughs> oh my gosh. but, um, yeah, I switched it and uh, never really looked back, but it, it took on a lot of meaning for me fairly quickly yes. because I had been involved in like accidents and like uh, one of my friends in high school had died because he was working on a dump truck uh, with the bed mm-hmm. lifted and like the bed when the hydraulics bled off, the bed came down on him. And I had been in situations on my dad's job site where I had to run like through the snow to get help because somebody had a heart attack, like all these different things. And Mm -hmm. so when I got into safety, it was like I never would have gone looking for this, but it had a lot deeper meaning for me because it was like, okay, I I see the direct application Mm -hmm. of, you know, things like an emergency response plan and things like, you know, lockout takeout and all of that. And and did you... Yes, the personal experience is first and foremost. And then when you were working in the industry, this is a question I've never been able to ask anyone. But since we have such similar stories, this is so crazy. So when you switched to occupational safety, 
Wasn't it weird and crazy doing your classes in your papers and your papers are like, what would you do if a truck rolls into an excavation or like, did you ever have like accident scenarios? And you're like, I just did this last week. Like, I know exactly what I would do. Like everything (laughs) in school was so easy because it was everything that I was doing or I've been through. So the degree, I mean, yes, the meaning was there, but like, it was just so... I don't know. It was just so real life that it made it pretty simple. I I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think in a lot of ways, like there were those real life scenarios where you're like, yeah, this is how you would handle it. In real life. But I think, yeah, I think also like the translation for me that was tough is I grew up more in like small business uh, where there wasn't much oversight. I see. And so it goes from like, okay, how do you handle this as like the two people on site where there's maybe not a lot of formal training I see. and then translate that into like modern safety. So it was like that step up into, okay, this is what good looks like. That was a little bit of a push for me. I had to get my mind around. I that. see. Yes. Cause I would, um, I was also at that time working for like a mom, a mom and pop shop. I mean, it was just pretty small. Okay. And so seeing that, okay, one, there's a degree for this and this is official. This is like real stuff. And then to hear kind of like what you're saying that big companies have systems and processes and root causes and all these advanced things that at the time, I like what you're saying. Like everything you done was just real practical. Well, it was just, it was small company. Like it was just, yeah, Yeah. it wasn't this huge corporation with, you know, safety departments and there wasn't all this formal training that you had. Yours was all real life on the job. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that kind of jumped out to me was, for example, when when my friend died in high school, like I didn't know the term lockout, takeout. We never talked about that kind of stuff. But, you know, just from working on my cars and being around like um, my dad had a big shop where we worked on all the logging equipment and stuff. He would get on us if we didn't block stuff up before we started working on it. So it's like, no, you don't depend on this jack to hold something up. Or no, if you're going to get under there, like, let's say you raise the excavator bucket, you set it down on something before before you are ever going to put yourself in the line of fire. But we didn't say lockout, takeout. We said block it up. You know, so like, it's just a little bit different. It's like, oh, you guys have a civilized way of saying this. (laughs) This is official. This is interesting. I just, I cannot, I'm trying to picture this girl, this young girl, you know, like doing the manual labor, like you're out there, you're running a forklift, like you're running heavy equipment, like you're such a badass. This is so cool to talk to you. And so I mean, thank you. you. Yeah, well, it's awesome. And so when you're in, in that company, or is it that time? I mean, yeah, of course you guys have team members, you guys have employees. I mean, what was it, what was it like? Was it different because you grew up in it that it didn't seem, um, so I don't know, were you nervous when the business started to get a lot of employees or how, what was the transition when you got into safety, you got the degree and then did you stay at that company or did you switch to another company soon? 
Yeah, so I got hired out of college to come work out here in Portland, which is where my business is based now. Oh, cool. And I was working for a large paper manufacturing company. And paper is actually an awesome industry to work in. People don't yes. think it would be. But in safety, you get a taste of everything in the paper industry. Yes. You know, there's machines, there's chemicals, there's ergonomics, there's uh, all sorts of different things. So it's there's a lot to focus on and a lot to learn about. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I came out here, uh, it was people were a little bit more refined. <laughs> and I'm going to sound so hillbilly now. I love it, though. <laughs> but it's it was totally like... Uh, you know, they were more polite, more formal about how they did everything. And I remember our first big mill shutdown when they do all the maintenance. Um, and I had been on the job like less than six months and I had to shut down a big job because they were potentially going to expose people to hazardous chemicals and they didn't realize it. And so I, I go out there and I'm like, I'm sorry, like, I hate to do this, but we got to get XYZ in place before we shut down this job. And, you know, one of the guys got a little hot under the collar and was like yelling and sort of making a scene. Right. And uh, I was just kind of like standing back, you know, watching it. But my, my approach is like, I'm not going to jump in there and yell back. Like I'm going to let him blow off some steam. Yeah, and yeah. the decision's been made, <laughs> you know, like we have to do this. Yeah, so yeah. it's not negotiable, but you can, you know, you can behave that way if that's what you want to do. I'm not going to put up with it, but okay, I'll, I'll sit here and let you do it for a while. But um, all these uh, great guys that I worked with and, and ladies as well who were in the union, they kind of like crowded around me and they were so sweet. It was like they thought I was going to cry. You know, they're like, are you OK? Are you OK? And uh, in my world, like uh, not necessarily for my dad's company, but like when I had gone out and worked in Montana as a safety person, that was fairly standard behavior. You know, and so to me, it wasn't surprising. Uh, it was like, this the first no, time I kind of thought this would yeah, happen. Yeah, you were, you were fine. So people, okay, that's a good, that's a, yeah, that's a good way to segue into that. I mean, I, I'm super curious. Sure. I mean, when you had a, like, what were the, what was it like the first times that you really had to put your foot down or you had, you know, a disagreement with somebody and how was that held out? Because I'm sure people are like. You have this young girl on the site, like what, you know, maybe some people might be like, what, what can she, what can she teach me? What are we here for? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you get it too. Like, you know, people see you on site and they're probably like, um, thinking what's she doing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and they're <laughs> like, oh, she probably doesn't know anything. I, I feel like that's the way that people looked at me, especially when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but the the thing is, is like, uh, <laughs> I'm assertive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can push me a little ways and I'll be friendly and I'll be nice, but I don't need to put up with anybody's crap. We're there to work. And if you can't understand that, like, that's not my problem. Yeah. Like, I'm here to help you get stuff done in safety, and I'm very much like, I will work with you. I will help solve problems and not create them. I will, I'll be your buddy, but uh, if you're going to come back and yell at me and not work with, with, with me on things, I can draw that hard line. Because I, I'm an adult. You're an adult. We're expected to act like adults and work like them, and if you're not here to do that, then 
I'll just go talk to your supervisor or HR right now because I'm here to get stuff done. Mm, So you feel like you had early on in your career, I mean, you feel like you had that confidence to to not put up with anybody's, you know, BS. Like you could, you could take a little bit of it, but like at the end of the day, like like I'm here for a purpose. And so do you feel like you always had that confidence in you? I think I had a little bit more confidence um, just from my previous experience than the people that I graduated with. But I would also say uh, there's so many times where you don't want to have to be that person. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you know, like we all want to be nice, especially girls. We're taught it's so important to be nice and to be liked and all that. And I genuinely like people. And no, I don't always have the confidence, but I can fake it. I (laughs) like that. That needs to be the cue. That needs to be a clip. (laughs) I don't always have the confidence, but I can fake it. Oh my gosh. I, somebody asked me that like on a podcast the other day. I love how you just said that. They're like, did you always have like the confidence? Like, did you always have, you know, like all the right answers? And it was like, no, never had all the right answers. But I mean, sometimes you just need to go out there and you just need to like get a job done. And yeah, like pretend that you have the confidence until you can really have it. But sure, it's scary the first couple times that you need to, you know, walk a new job site or I don't know, meet new, oh, meet new people. Oh, for sure. But I always have so much compassion because I remember those early days, like walking out into this enormous factory that's like got building after building and it's like a square mile of property. And, uh, you know, big time manufacturing was a world of difference from where I came from. And uh, just feeling like out of place, people look at you like you're out of place and you've got to sort of establish yourself over and over. And I don't know if guys feel this way, because I know some guys have big intimidation factors on the job site too. But uh, I feel like you have to establish yourself over and over and over again mm-hmm. as a woman in this business. Mm-hmm. It's just like constant. I feel the same way. And you know what? Like just girl to girl, I just to keep it real, I, I feel like early on people would ask me, oh, is it hard being a girl in the industry? And I would always like, I don't know what it was, but I would always default to nope, nope. Oh. It's easy to me. I was like, I don't know. I don't see a difference. Like guy and girl, like we're all the same. But like now looking back, I don't know, like if I just like had this, had to like, I felt like I had to develop this hard shell almost in a sense. But like now looking back and I'm being honest with my feelings and I'm like, yeah, actually I was scared like sometimes. And actually I did feel like I had to prove myself like over and over again, my credentials or why I was out there, what I was doing. And I, I did feel like maybe if there was a sa- uh, like a, a male safety guy, maybe they could have been more assertive and more direct and it would have like a conversation could have been quicker versus me, you know, trying to be nice and trying to explain why I want to do something different. I feel like it took me, like it just, I feel like it took me longer to, to gain the buy-in and to gain the trust with everyone. Yeah. I think that's definitely something I identify with, but, um, You know, like you said, a lot of times I'd be like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not that hard to be a girl in this industry. And there are definitely pain points, and I don't want to downplay that. But at the same time, I think in some ways I benefited from being a girl in the industry as well, you know, because 
kind of like that story I told you about uh, where I go onto the job site and this guy's yelling and everybody thinks I'm going to cry and they're like being really nice to me. Um, I don't think that would have happened if I was a guy. Yeah. You know, I think people would have been like, no, stand up on your own two feet. And a guy that's just fresh out of college like I was probably, you know, would have every right to feel very uh, stressed out at that moment. Yeah. And so... I think sometimes people are a bit softer to us as girls, and that can be a benefit. And then the other thing that I've appreciated is, like, I almost feel like people are more willing to explain things to me as a girl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you go on a new job site, you need to know how how a process works before you can really, like, go through and help with the safety side of it. Yes, yeah. If I go up and I'm like, okay, can you explain this to me and how does this work? And I can ask the questions that I think guys would worry more about, does this sound dumb? Um, Because there's, like, a certain assumption there that if you're a guy, you should know all this stuff. Uh, and as a girl, I can ask that and not get the same attitude back sometimes, like not get that same bias. Like, don't you know this? <laughs> so oh that's, my God. that's been I nice. I completely resonate with what you're saying. I think that that, I think you're completely right in that, you know, for all the girls listening, like, I think that that is a huge advantage. And looking back, I, I talk about it a lot in the podcast, but certainly the one the time that I feel like I got a breakthrough in my career early on was when I was willing and to ask those questions. You know, I wasn't going into the welding shop. We had a shop, an excavation side, a construction, and a roustabout side, and a trucking side. So I kind of got all oh, of wow. it at once. But when I was going to the shop, I'd tell people, and you know, wear your glasses, wear your glasses, and, and it wouldn't always happen. Wear your face shield. And then one day, I finally like asked one of the the leaders in the group, like. It wasn't, he wasn't even an official supervisor, but you know, the guy that is the leader, that guy. And I would always, I would, I, I just went up to him and I'd ask him, you know, and I'd ask him, I started asking like how things worked first and foremost with other processes. But then I'd be like, how come the guys don't wear their face shields? And he's like, well, because like, this is why, because we have these comfort issues. We have these things. He's like, my last, my last employer, we, we had these types of face shields. And if you got it approved by management to get us these, these new face shields, then, you know, we'd wear them like they'd actually fit. They'd actually work because we weld in, you know, awkward positions, stuff like that on, on tanks. And so I finally got it approved from, from by management. And then sure enough, like that person, it was his idea. You know, he implemented it and enforced it when I wasn't there. And it was it just took that curiosity mindset that I forever hold with me of, like you said, like, how does that work? How, you know, what's going on here? And I'm very ask 10 questions to, to get somewhere before I ask, before I go into enforcement mode, I'm always asking questions. I'm always really curious. So that's cool. And then, yeah. Am I hearing this right too, that you're at a mill is international paper. Is that a, that's a, that's a, that's a big mill, right? Yeah, this would have been Georgia Pacific, but, um, you know, kind of similar things. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Not a, it was just a few times, but I had a client um, that was out east and I went to international paper a few times and uh, they were maintenance crews. The, the client I was with was uh, a maintenance crew. So they, I, we would go in during cool. shutdown. And I remember walking into my first mill and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought oil and gas was 
dangerous and I thought that construction was dangerous. <laughs> like I knew nothing until I went into a mill. I was like, I came back and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, like this is the most dangerous freaking facility <laughs> I've ever seen in my dang life. <gasps> so like what are the similarities? Like you worked at a mill or no? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the the mill was a ton of fun, and I love the people there. It was like one of those places where they had a really strong union, and a lot of the people in the union had been there about 25 years, and so their attrition yes. rate through retirement was really high. But they were like the coolest people, and they knew their job really well, and it was like a small community. I loved it there. I actually worked there twice. So I worked there when I first graduated, and then I came back and was the safety manager a few years later. Okay. Uh, but it's it's like got a special place in my heart. I I know like from construction sites and sometimes like people get sentimental about certain projects and stuff. And I'm like, get I a little know. sentimental talking about the paper mill because I loved it. It was a really good experience. Oh, man. And how interesting, too. I do remember like interviewing, talking to the team members there, the employees, and they were like, yeah, I've been there forever. And it was like this forever I mean, generational families that all worked there and I thought this is cool this is really it cool is. That people were awesome and this okay. is like a little bit of a side topic but I think this is important to bring up because when I realized this it made a big difference in how I looked at things but have you heard of the book Hillbilly Elegy no huh Okay, it's a really interesting book. It's about this guy who I think he comes from Kentucky and his family moved to like the Rust Belt to work in car factories. Okay. And he said like that took his family from like always struggling financially and kind of going from job to job to suddenly having like full-time good factory employment where you had a reliable schedule and a reliable income. And how good of a thing that is for families and for um, for the economy and just it makes people so much more stable overall. So some of the problems that we see in certain industries or certain segments of industries like construction and like the oil field where people are traveling all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not near their families and they're lonely or they're struggling and they start drinking more, doing drugs, those types of things. You don't get yeah. that as much with steady factory jobs you know, and you're able to really establish a solid workforce. So seeing that after the work experience that I had at that point, and then seeing like the way that these people were able to live a very stable life was really interesting to me because it, it changed, I think it changed the workforce, like the work changed the workforce in a positive way. Wow. And to see that culture shift, to see what the yeah, to see, to experience what that looks and feels like. I'm sure that was really, really cool. Yeah. And something that you would want to, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine and yeah, because my background is oil and gas and gosh, there's like a million similarities. Like when that person told you off or, you know, we always being rude to you and you're <laughs> like, um, I'm like used to this same, same thing. Like if someone was mean to me at my, or, or, you know, being really blunt or being whatever, I would always be like, uh, well, my, my dad's like this, like, you can't hurt me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in the oil and gas industry. Like none of this offends me like whatsoever. <laughs> I posted me. this meme to my social media a while back and it's funny what people respond to, but the meme was like, you can't, you can't scare me. I used to hold the flashlight for my dad. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and if you've ever held the flashlight for your dad while he's working on a project and you know like the flashlight's not in the exact right place that it should be at every moment and he's freaking out at you it's like, <laughs> yeah you can you can handle a safety job it's gonna be fine that's hilarious oh my gosh so i just you know what this makes me think too speaking of that culture piece at the mill what i'm so interested to know like i i have a feeling i think i'm right about this feeling that you probably have a really unique perspective on safety and you probably have some deep-rooted philosophies on safety culture you know how that's achieved what that looks like and like what does safety all mean um what do you feel like some what do you feel like your unique perspectives are on safety i think um you know, that's such a big question. I think anybody in safety has probably evolved quite a bit throughout their career. And I know I definitely have. And I'm very much like a no bullshit person. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to like use the good words and stuff because I'm on a podcast. But um, I'm very down to earth and very much no bullshit. And I think that one of the things that has helped me in safety is like, I'm not really going to use all the main buzz buzzwords that everybody else does. I'm going to talk to you like you're a person like I want to be talked to. And I don't like fluffing things up. I'm fairly succinct. But the biggest thing that's changed for me over the last few years is I had I come from a family with four kids and I've had two siblings die in the last five years in different accidents. So my sister died in a car accident when she was 20. My brother died in an avalanche when he was 27. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. So it's like one of those things where it's not work related, but it's one of those things that makes you really, really think because mm -hmm. you just realize like how huge the effects of things like that are. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to take a risk, you know, even if it's a calculated risk and it's just going to affect me. It doesn't just affect you. And if something mm -hmm. happens to you, it's not, oh, my family's going to mourn and get over it. It's like, no, people's lives are permanently impacted. And it's this decision between risk and reward. Mm -hmm. And it's changed how I think about risk altogether. And obviously, already being in safety, I'm not somebody who takes big risks. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm afraid of bodily injury. But I think it makes me think more about how I can appropriately communicate to people who maybe um, will not respond to talking about compliance, but who you can just talk to like one person to another about risk and how you're thinking about it, mm. you know? Oh, I like that. And so how have there been, let's say you have somebody, not if, let's say when, when you've had a group of people in class or when you've been a consultant for a company and they have that old school that old school mindset, you know, mm -hmm. that work hard, safety last, like this is, you know, I hate safety. Like, how do you get through to that person? How do you, and is it different than what it was before? Or, you know, how do you really break through to that old school mindset? I think safety? that I, I approach it from a different angle because the tried and true sort of safety talks sometimes get a little stale and people mm -hmm. who have an attitude towards safety, that's when the wall comes up. 
you know? Yeah, you're right. You can like see trigger it. words. They safe. Yeah. Safety, ma- safety first. Safety matters. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like, oh, for the love of God, please stop. Um, I'm not, I don't like to share my story about my siblings a lot because I feel like, uh, there's the risk of it being kind of construed as like one of those play the violin stories, you know, like everybody's lost someone in an accident. I am not unique this way. I just had it happen a couple times in a row near to each other with people I was super close with. And it made me think about things a lot. So I don't approach it that way. What I want to do is talk through how do we think about risk and what's worth it? Because we're kind of brought up to think risk is fun and we all like an element of risk. Like if we look at most of our hobbies, they are riskier than our jobs. Risk is fun. Risk is awesome. Like it's a thrill, you know, Uh and that's fine. That's fine. Like if you enjoy a thrill of like jumping your dirt bike on the weekend, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. You know, (laughs) yeah, live your life, like have a great time, live the way that you want to. But the thing is, take risks, but take calculated risks. So let's talk about it with work. If you're going to take a risk, let's say you're not going to get on your fall protection harness. The risk is probably, you know, you save 15 minutes or whatever. Uh, that's the reward is saving that time. But the risk is so great, it doesn't balance out. It's kind of like with the finances. You're not going to make a bad investment that's never going to balance out because risk doesn't equal reward. You've got to make a calculated estimate of what the reward's going to be. And so that's kind of how I want to talk about it because as a society, with the creation of OSHA, we have decided people should not be getting hurt, being get, it, get sick from work or die from work. That's what we yeah, have as, yeah. as, as a society have decided. And I think if you talk to most people, like just in their personal opinion, they would undergo some minor injuries for work to make their work life easier on themselves. Mm-hmm. But they yeah, wouldn't right. do the big ones. You know, so yeah. when you're talking to people who don't care about OSHA and who will most likely never see them on their job site, it's like, okay, what are you willing to risk for your job? And let's also talk about the financial risks, and let's talk about how that plays out because workers' comp doesn't pay a lot. And there's actually um, an article that was written probably like eight years ago that's still on the web where you can look up. It's like the best way to pull all this information together. You can look up what you can get paid out in each state. If you lose a limb, you know, or whatever the injury is, you can check each body part for each state and see what you get paid out. And it is... Astonishingly Shockingly not low. what you hope it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. So let's be honest about what we're risking here. And can your family go without you having an income for three months while you like deal with a broken leg or whatever? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So when you wow. go to take that shortcut, you know, ask yourself, is this the risk that's going to make my life better? Because some risks yeah. will make your life more worth living. You know, maybe it's four-wheeling on the weekend or skydiving or rock climbing or whatever. Most of the time with work, the risk is not worth it. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's it's actually really refreshing to hear that perspective. I haven't, you know, to really break down risk and calculated risk and, you know, breaking it down to the most practical level. That example you just shared with fall protection, okay, it's going to save you 15 minutes, Like, how, but is this going to play out for you? And is it worth it? And the obvious answer is no, but like, but to 
break it down in the most practical sense like that, I think is, is what we sometimes need to do with what we always need to do. We're teaching in classes, you know, rather than always, I don't know, defaulting to, I don't know, some of the common things like being your brother's keeper and things like that, that is important and that, but we need to encompass all those things. And maybe if somebody, somebody's wall goes up when you're talking about the common sense reason to be safe, then it is important. And a tactic that our listeners should listen to really take home is to get on that practical level with the workers that you're around and break it down just like that. And I think that that's really cool. And I, we are already at time, Rachel, and I feel like I've asked you uh, one question. I feel like I haven't (laughs) even gotten into like anything that I want to talk to you about. I seriously could talk to you for hours and all day because I, oh my gosh, like you're so fascinating. And I have to share with you that I, all, all these crazy similarities. I also lost my brother recently. Really? I'm so sorry. um, Yeah. From, well, just from a heroin overdose and not a work related incident, but, um, holy smokes to hear that and that we share that too. Um, it does make you, yeah. Make you think of life different risk, different choices, different. Yeah. And especially when it's so close and like a sibling and, you know, in a, in a tragic way like that, it's Mm -hmm. like, I think anybody in safety, you kind of have to go down that road a little bit of, was this preventable? And we always believe everything's preventable. Yeah. (sighs) And that's hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I would love to schedule a part two. If you're down, I'm down. I'm down too. (laughs) This went super fast. I I just felt like I was talking to a friend. So I hope you don't have to bleep too much out. I'm trying to stop cussing, but you know. (laughs) Me too. Every day I'm like, I need to stop. (laughs) I need to cut this out. I swear. (laughs) This is crazy. No, it is like we were just talking. So pretty much this is a conversation between uh, two sisters and the podcast got to listen to the audience got to listen to it all. But I still have a lot of questions about, you know, how to conquer fears for people for, you know, maybe young women that are entering into this industry um, and, and more philosophies around your around training, around safety culture, around company culture. I don't you know, necessarily believe in a safety culture. For me, I just believe in a culture. I think companies just have a culture. Yeah. I thought that was super interesting. I never heard that until you, I'm I'm pretty sure that's because it's original to you, but I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I believe that too. Well, and I, and what's, that's why I want to do it part two is because you are a consultant. So you've worked with, you work with so many different companies, small, medium, large corporations, mom and pop shop. Mm-hmm. And like, I just want to know how do you get through and how do you, how do you make a difference? What do you see be- between the industries? Cause that's my, that's my world. And I think I, yeah, I would love to talk to you more and um, I want to respect your time. And I have, we have talked up the 45 minutes somehow. So cool. Well, I just, uh, guys, for, for those of you who want to learn more about Rachel right now and don't want to wait till part two, uh, we're going to link all of her contact information, how to get a hold of her, 
I'm going to have her bio so you can um, read more about her as well. But if you want to connect with her, I'm sure Rachel is more than more than happy um, to take questions. And if you just if you just want to chat with her and have some some questions, you can reach out to her direct. So thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts around safety? Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a broad question. But do you have any any final any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's Friday the day that we're recording this. So we're going into the weekend and I would just say to everybody, have a great week or weekend whenever you're listening to this and work safely, live boldly. I love it. I love it. just got chills. I love it. Thank you so much, Rachel. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Yes. Thank you so thank much. You, this is a ton of fun. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode. 